Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today for more Executive Insights. My name's Kim Winter. I'm going to be your host today. Well, today's a very special uh, pleasure. Uh, very excited to speak to one of the gurus of supply chain media globally. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Greg White from Atlanta today. Hey, Kim, it's great to be here. Um, I really appreciate the invite. It's always strange to be on this side of the microphone, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I've learned so much from you guys uh, since um, Supply Chain Now came out, and of course, with the other programs that you run, and we'll talk a little bit about those in a minute. But uh, let me give a bit of an entree uh, to our audience uh, about you, Greg, because uh, there's a hell of a story there. So apart from anything else, some of the things that you do, uh, you're an investor, you're a board director and advisor, an early stage tech disruptor, a supply chain adjutant, a free agent futurist, and trademark visionary discontent. <laughs> With that, I'm not finished, a venture partner for Kibera Venture Capital, you're an advisor and principal to uh, host uh, and host with Supply Chain Now with Scott Lutton. Um, you are a Blue Ridge founder and board director over about 15 years by the look of it. Board director of Flourish Software and advisor of Verizon. Um, you're an advisor with uh, Clarity Capital Advisors. Uh, board director and investor with Smash, uh, Smash Mouse and a partner of Truthwell Advisory. There is more, but... Let's not get everybody too carried away. All I can say is the question I would have is, were you an only child or were you the youngest and did you feel the need to exceed? <laughs> Actually, I'm not only the oldest uh, child of four, uh, but I'm the oldest grandchild in, in my family. So I'm really not sure. Okay. The, the oldest one is usually the dumbest and they do the crazy <laughs> things, right? We fear, we have no boundaries. We fear no, fear no change. So, okay. Well, you've been busy. Uh, you, you are recognized as a, as a guru in the tech space and supply chain. You have revolutionized uh, supply chain now as I guess the, one of the key benchmark hosts, Scott, yourself and Scott have revolutionized media and supply chain and you're bringing cool, and intelligence to supply chain the way it's never been seen before. So really impressed with what you guys are doing. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, uh, and your journey through supply chain and particularly uh, tech. Yeah, yeah, well, and thank you, by the way. Supply chain now is a, a journey of passion. So, um, well, I'm, I'm originally from Kansas, a small, small town that most people wouldn't even know, but I've lived all over the states. So um, I can't, really rattle off the, all the places that I've lived in this a short interview, but uh, I've lived so, so many places that I've gotten to see America in all of its glory, in all of its uh, diversity. And I feel like that was a really, really good ed educational opportunity for me. It's fascinating because I think when you look at the U.S. from outside the States, uh, it feels like a country, but really it's a collection of 50 countries and even subcultures within that. So uh, that was a good lesson. And the town that I spent most of my time in, Wichita, Kansas, which I have a really strong passion for, was an incredibly diverse city. So we had a large Vietnamese, Lebanese, uh, Mexican uh, population and, and a lot of entrepreneurship. Some brands that people have probably heard of were founded there. 
Pizza Hut, Renaissance Centers, uh, Courtyard, or, sorry, not Courtyard, Residence Inns, um, a number of, of restaurants and oil and gas. Coke Industries was based there. So um, there's just a ton going on in that town. And it was an aircraft city. Cessna, Learjet, Bo, uh, Beechcraft, all founded there. And it forced an entrepreneurial spirit in that, in that company because as went the aircraft industry, so went the jobs. And many people were frequently out of jobs and had to find a way to make a living. And so many of them started businesses. Oh, so, and you're clearly a techhead. I mean, from a very early stage of your career, by the look of it, you've been right in amongst uh, the technical side of things and uh, digitization and industry. So. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, well, I started out as a practitioner in retail. So um, I came by it honest. My father, uh, I got my first job the way a lot of people get their first job or should. I'm a firm believer. My dad got it for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than bucking hay bales, uh, he was a vice president at Kmart, which most people probably don't even know, but actually used to matter in retail at one time before Walmart got big. Um, and I, I started working in the stores and kind of worked my way up and then went into other retail organizations. But what I saw was there was a huge opportunity for technology. I was actually put on a project to revive a, a technology solution that a company at the time called Northern Automotive had bought and kind of shelved. They paid all this money for this tech and never used it. So they asked me to get engaged with that company. That company was called E3 based in Atlanta. I helped revive that tech. Um, E3 decided they wanted to go into the uh, more in depth into the retail industry and they recruited me away from retail, which if you've ever worked in retail, isn't terribly difficult. Early days, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so from that point, I got into it and then we built the precursor of cloud technology at E3. It was then, uh, it was then called ASP, Application Service Provider, where we took the code and put it on uh, our own server and shared it with smaller companies, kind of a cut down version. I realized there was a marketplace there. E3 walked away from that business. Oh. So um, I left around 2000 uh, and, and developed some technology and started my own company that became what is now Blue Ridge. Yeah. And you're still in it. I think you've, uh, you, you, Sold out of Blue Ridge, or you're still in it? I still, I still own a, por a portion of it, and I'm on the board of directors. But yeah, it's owned by investors now. Yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. Okay, awesome. So, um, tell us a little bit about the journey with um, su supply chain now, because I mean, I got addicted to. I mean, I've been drinking the Kool Aid for, of supply chain now for quite a while, and that, to me, that has been in. And I started my own trucking company at about 17 years of age in New Zealand, and I've been in supply chain, wow. hopped into it, and been in it ever since. Uh, now we're in consulting and, and executive search, as you know. But the reality is that with you uh, on your journey, you've obviously got into seeing about sharing the message, telling the stories, uh, sharing the experiences that you've got in a very, very erudite way that's switched on I would think millions of people all around the world. So even though you guys are in the US, I know you've got people in every continent listening to Supply Chain Now. So I'll plug for Supply Chain Now to our audience. If you're not listening to it, get on it. You can get on in any podcast anywhere. Um, great stuff. I think almost daily you guys are pushing out stuff. 
uh, every day, but Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, the way that that came about is Scott Luton and, and a number of other, uh, supply chain execs were on this committee, the Georgia logistics summit. We were on this executive board and met Scott really liked his vision. Actually, I was a guest before I was a principal. So at Blue Ridge, uh, we were very small and like an idiot, I decided to start a company that competed against SAP and Oracle and JDA and Manhattan, all of the big guns, right? Um, and, for, you know, fortunately, by the way, we had some influence from a company you're familiar with, DHL, who kind of helped lift us up and introduce us to their customer base, which was really helpful. Uh, but but at, the, at the same time, we really had no voice. Yeah. We had a great message. It was very disruptive, as you as you addressed, it was new and innovative and welcome, but nobody could hear us. So getting on supply chain now was a great opportunity for us to share our voice, to share our vision on the market and supply chain. And uh, Scott's a brilliant, if anyone's ever listened to us, they know Scott is a brilliant interviewer. He can extract greatness from anyone. Right. So I, 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 did that in um, uh, for a couple of different companies. And then when Scott decided he was going to really turn this into a business, it had been sort of a charity, I don't know, kind of a philanthropy for one of the local associations that he industry service. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. When he decided he was going to turn it into a media business. uh, He, he called me one day and said, man, you know, we'd been been just talking about he said, man, I got to go to UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and I have no co-host. I feel a little bit out in the woods here. And I said, hey, I'll do it. So I drove to Birmingham from Atlanta and it all started there. Um, And, you know, we all have a very distinctive voice, companies and each of us at Supply Chain Now. And you've probably noticed recently we've added a number of people. We've added Jamin Alvidrez, Corinne Bursa recently. So the goal of supply chain now is really to give supply chain a voice. And how did we know COVID would happen and people would actually know what supply chain is. Uh, But uh, you know, it's, it was fortuitous timing and it was time for the industry to have a voice anyway. So I just felt, felt like it was a, a good thing. I have long been an advocate for Atlanta in particular, promoting supply chain tech. There is so much good supply chain tech there. And we had always focused on FinTech and security, other companies that have become, um, that had become unicorns out of, out of Atlanta. So I just felt like it was time. No, I had, I had a great opportunity to interview Scott um, just the other day. And um, so really, really enjoyed that. And of course, the next thing I had to do was to interview yourself. So that's, that was where it rolled on. But uh, look, you, you've got another, another uh, uh, product or another session that's called Tequila Sunrise and uh, yeah. Tequila Sunrise, yes. um, which has got its, it's got its own swagger. It's got its own style. I, I think more of Southern Comfort than Tequila when I listen to it. Um, but tell us a little bit about that because that, that whole program is really focused in around the tech side. Yeah, well, you know, as I said, I feel like supply chain tech needs a spotlight placed on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my real compulsion is, as you can see from my LinkedIn, the nearest thing I've had 
to a resume in 20 years, by the way, um, is that I, I am a serial entrepreneur. I, I love the disruptive nature of technology in the marketplace. I love solving people's problems to me, though tech is still just a hammer yeah. and, and you need to find the right nail. Um, but, but technology and supply chain really needed a voice. It was perceived based on the ancient ways of doing things using forecasting methods that are literally 117 years old yeah. in some cases, much more and things like that. And, and also I feel like founders needed a voice and we needed something at the confluence of founders and, and investors and technology to really let people know what was happening, what the realities of it were, as you've probably seen, Kim, I'm pretty explicit when I, when I address certain things, you know, early on, it was all about teaching people about tech, how not to stub your toe as a founder, how to know uh, how investing worked and things like that. And then I got uh, several, people saying, I'd really like to start, start a supply chain tech. And one of the things I felt compelled to do was say, really, do you really want to do that? And I, I issued a pretty hard hitting challenge as to how you do it and what the realities of, of starting a technology or really any company is like. And then we started having guests. And I think that has really transformed uh, Tequila Sunrise because we're getting to hear the stories from the practitioners. You can only listen to your own voice so long, Kim. I don't know how yours started, well, but it, it gets pretty lonely on, on this side, of, you know, on that side of the mic. Um, and you also feel like a bit like you're talking to yourself. So I really enjoy the format where you interview people. Oh, yeah. Well, no, we, we saw and learned from you guys and decided, no, we, we'll go straight into the interviews. Thanks very much. We won't even pretend to think that we're going to be interesting enough, long enough to have our own uh, sessions. But, uh, but one, of, one of the interesting things that you're doing on Tequila Sunrise is you're summarizing, I don't know how often this is, but you're summarizing uh, what's going on in tech on the M&A side. I mean, we've got a, uh, a corporate advisory and an M&A division within our business. So one of the biggest parts of our operation. Um, and all the, all the team from our team here listen in because it's very interesting. You're summarizing very succinctly What's, what's happening in the M&A side, on the buy and the sell side, yeah. uh, what the big deals are, where all the mergers are happening, what sort of volumes of uh, revenue, how many billions are at stake. Um, where, where are you sourcing all that information? One source or are you bringing all that in from researchers? It's, it's quite a few sources. So um, because I work with a venture capital firm now, which I didn't when I started, but because I work with a venture capital firm now, I have access to things like Crunchbase and their subscription service, PitchBook, which a lot of VCs go to to find out that information. I got to tell you, as a free source, Crunchbase is really, really good. Um, and that is not a paid advertisement, by the way. No, no, just, we, we're, we're big on it. I it's really great. And, um, and then I, I use a couple of newsletters. Crunchbase has their own newsletter. There's one called Finn Smeeze. I don't even know how I discovered that. Uh, but then I can discover the deals that are getting done each mm -hmm. week, uh, spend a little bit of time researching and do that and, and then report on that. So since we've started doing interviews, we're trying to figure out how to fit that in. And I think we'll wind up doing some, maybe one per episode and then some on, um, on the site, on the webpage for 
uh, tequila sunrise. The other thing we're doing is a tequila sunrise supply chain tech stock index. So there aren't many supply chain techs that are public, but we're developing along with uh, Daniel Karen, who volunteered to do this by way, by the way, he's a, he works at port logistics group, but who he volunteered to help put this together and build a mechanism to make it an index. For instance, Amazon has a supply chain component to their business, but it's a relatively small portion. So he's actually figuring out what that portion of the business is for big companies like SAP Oracle and, and Amazon. And then, uh, applying an appropriate market capitalization so we can see what the market cap of supply chain techs So you saw it here folks, you saw it here first. In about a year's time when you're looking at Bloomberg, the ticker along the bottom is going to have the supply chain index, right? And it's going to be a big white. (laughs) That's right. The the tequila sunrise index, TSI (laughs) maybe, or whatever, whatever we can get. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Awesome. So you, uh, again, a big part of what you're doing on that program is just opening up uh, what can be quite a uh, mysterious area or an area that's quite obscure or oblique where people wouldn't really know where to go to get that information. So you're clarifying that, you're bringing it out, you're consolidating it. Um, and if I, look at your, if I look at your background and your history, the innovation, um, whether it came from Wichita and, and all the way through, uh, you've been innovative, you've been developing, and that's into the tech companies that you've developed and you've, you've built and you've uh, moved, moved through. But I, now I see you really, if, unless I'm wrong, you, you're going industry-wide with that whole ethos, with that whole philosophy. Because I think you're incubating now, you're putting incubators together, and I think there's some couple of pretty exciting projects that you're developing there in Atlanta. Give us a bit of a heads up on that. Yeah, so <clears throat> I am staying fairly focused in supply chain, but Kubera, the Kubera Venture Capital, the firm that I'm working with now, um, as my friends have said, now I've gone to the dark side. <clears throat> but Kubera Venture Capital uh, has allowed me to uh, work with companies and to start recognize that vision of Atlanta as supply chain city or supply chain capital, which, uh, as I said earlier, I've been promoting for so long. And I really got, uh, I really got forced into the forefront of, you know, put your money where your mouth is when one of the large incubators for supply chain companies closed recently. Um, one that was run by a, a major fortune 500 company and left all these orphans, 40 or so companies, uh, without a place to go. So tentatively, I can't say this is the name, but tentatively we're calling it Link. And um, and our goal is to be focused on the founders, focused on the startups, which is a unique approach, believe it or not. And it will be an incubator and a venture studio. So a venture studio really allows you to take ideas and turn them into companies, not just take companies and help elevate them through advisory or funding or, or whatever. Um, so it's a dual purpose, but the goal really is to, especially now have no boundaries and, and to be able to consolidate supply chain talent in an organization virtually or physically 
that enables these companies to expand and be better. So we've got a few uh, other firms that are working with us, other funds that are working with us to make that happen. Um, I have to ask you this question from a business partner, Daryl, you, I was talking to you today and he's not here, but they focus a lot on M&A. We do quite a bit of M&A in this part of the world here, APAC. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on, especially this year with COVID, with companies excelling and expanding and wanting to, to buy more companies or other companies divesting and, and reshaping, rescaling. Yeah. The question was, what's happened this year in regards to the pace and, and the strength of, of M&A uh, in the markets that you're aware of? Um, have things flattened down a little bit because of the impact of the pandemic or has there been a lot of agitation going on in the market? You're going to love this answer, Kim. It depends. Yeah. I mean, if, if your company is really, really large, yeah. uh, then, then there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of interest in investing or acquisition. If your company is really, really explosive, there is a lot of interest regardless of size. But if yeah. your com- company is what is so fascinating about the, about the investing industry. If it's small, meaning less than a hundred million dollars worth of investment, which is a broad, broad range, then, and not explosive, then funding is a very, very difficult, uh, very difficult thing right now. And the smaller, the more difficult. So uh, we've talked about that a couple times on the show. I've had that affirmed by a number of founders who are uh, in that space, kind of, seed, A round, early B round, um, struggling to get funding. Um, But at the same time, companies like Verison, which is one that I'm working with, their growth is explosive, nearly 10x in revenue this year. And they're having no trouble uh, trying to fund their next next round. Um, So those, um, I would say that the market has gotten conservative and opportunistic really good companies are getting funded and really underperforming i wouldn't say bad companies but really underperforming companies with a lot of potential are getting funded opportunistically at relatively low multiples yeah okay yeah no interesting what we we are seeing the same around the middle east and apac and uh, oceania as well uh, yeah. similar, similar trends. A lot of diversification I see in, in the Middle East yeah. uh, by the oil shakes into other industries. And re- retail is one, and retail supply chain is one in particular that I've seen at Blue Ridge. That started probably three or four years ago. So it, that's a really interesting dynamic unto itself, isn't it? One of, one of the big um, areas that we've traditionally over the last 20 years from our executive search side is we've tended to gravitate towards contract logistics and a lot of cold chain companies. So we deal with most of the, the big cold chain companies on a global scale. And of course, uh, the US is the home of the, uh, of the mega supply chain companies and cold chain, of course, with lineage uh, with a, and a massive drive uh, with all of the organizations right. that they've acquired recently, um, just based up in Chicago, I think. Uh, yeah. Nova. And uh, of course, Americold, which went public about four years ago and has been a pretty pretty strong performer on the NASDAQ as well. Right. Um, really done well in acquiring, I see recently as well. Um, during the pandemic, food and supply chain, cold chain, 
what other areas have you seen strength in regards to um, different sectors across the supply chain? I mean, how's transport gone? Are there any particular areas? Pharma obviously would be strong. Yeah. Well, if I think about technology, fulfillment, fulfillment technology is uh, and should be explosive because more and more companies are moving to e-commerce. Um, e-commerce was coming along slowly, 18% growth a year, right? Um, in the first half of this year, it was roughly double that. I think it was around 36% growth year over year. Uh, and fulfillment and last mile are a big part of that. I think the large parcel carriers have proven they either can't or willfully will not provide last mile delivery for um, an economically feasible rate. I think we heard some pretty harsh and um, callous comments from the new CEO at UPS about that. Basically, let them eat cake. Uh, the, the supply chain version of let them eat cake. Let them deliver um, their own <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically uh, what, sh what she said was let the retailers solve this problem and tuck, tuck the additional costs into their retail costs and nobody will even notice. That's essentially what she said. So callous. And I think an in indicator of the fact that they have, that they either are being opportunistic or they are, in my opinion, more likely are struggling to okay. conquer the economics of last mile. So there's a ton of opportunity there. Sure. Um, I think also if, if I'm talking about tech specifically, planning, uh, supply chain planning and supply chain resilience slash responsiveness solutions are, um, they're really coming to the fore. No one, I will argue this till the day I die. No one could have forecast a global, the, the seismic societal disruption virtually overnight that occurred, right? No one could. But what it did do is it magnified the problems that existed in the supply chain and put a spotlight on them like that. It also created awareness among the smartest of us consumers and the stupidest stupidest among us politicians to supply chain and, and how supply chain impacts commerce and society um, and how rapid or how um, nascent the revolution towards uh, new means of commerce was and how rapidly it could be catalyzed with an event like this. Yeah, super disruption and super acceleration and super diversification. My God, as I say, nobody could ever have imagined it. Well, a couple of people, uh, reasonably uh, notable billionaires in America, were talking about it a while back. Nobody seemed to listen at the time. Right. I think, I think you know, the thing that this really, this really magnified is the fact that in supply chain, we thought two things were king. One, the forecast and two economics. And one we have to recognize is that the forecast is always wrong. It's how you respond to that and how you optimize to, if anyone has ever been, been in consulting or ever listened to the great philosopher, Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and we got the ultimate punch in the face. And 
That's mm -hmm. the first thing you have to do when you build a plan is build a, a backup plan. Yeah. And that's what resiliency and responsiveness is all about. And that's the most important thing in supply chain, second only to not economics, yeah. but risk management. Mm -hmm. Supply chain is a risk management exercise. That risk includes cost, excessive cost, yeah. but it also includes customer experience and fulfillment rates and optimization against constraints in the supply chain. Yeah. Um, so hopefully those recognitions did occur for those companies that were being um, cheap. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. I think lean gets a bad rap, but misapplication of lean principles certainly did contribute to this. Okay. Cool. Hey, listen, I really appreciate you sharing some of the insights that, uh, that you got going on there. And uh, I, I always hit up our guests with a couple of quick fire questions at the end. Uh, you got a big day planned. So um, one of the things, especially for you, is if you're talking about entrepreneurs, whether it be in the tech space or the wider supply chain, um, what, what would your tips? You have a lot of experience. Um, you've got a breadth of knowledge, some of which you've shared with us today. Uh, what tips would you have entrepreneurs getting in supply chain and or the tech space? So the number one tip, regardless of what you're getting into, is have mentors. You yeah. are not smart enough, as smart as you are, you are not smart enough to tackle a business on your own. Get trusted advisors. If you don't get help here, get help somewhere kind of thing. Yeah. And I hear that over and over again with entrepreneurs. The other is if you are in technology, Decide whether you are the visionary, salesy, whatever founder, or you're the tech founder, and and get your alter ego as a co-founder. Absolute necessity. And figure out who you are, right? What's that? Figure out who you are. Yeah, figure out who you are and find your alter ego. You always need a visionary salesperson, and you always need a technology and science person, and nary the twain shall meet they're never the same person okay the other quick fire one is um, if you're looking at bringing advising or the companies that you advise um, and you're looking at assessing people coming into those organizations what are the two or three things that you're looking for in terms of character and capability of whether they be younger people coming in or whether they people rotating through uh, their careers coming into an organization what would you be looking for First, I would be looking for um, a cultural fit. You have to ruthlessly defend your culture and you need to be actively, um, actively enunciating your culture and, and testing for that. Second, um, a learning spirit. There is so much to learn, especially now as things change over time. Um, and, and I would say lastly, um, someone who is ingenuitive, someone who is um, constantly trying to s solve for better. Okay. There, I mean, there are so many things in Kim. I mean, it's unfair for me to even sound off on this. I feel like I ought to be asking you that question, but that's not <laughs> my job here. <laughs> Red one. Red one. But, I mean, those are the things, that, you know, that, that, that I think impact your, your company the most cultural fit right? You have to have people who want to learn because there is always so much to learn. And when you stop learning, you start dying. It's it. And, um, and then someone who really has the passion, the compulsion, whatever, to improve your business, that, that person, those people are just so powerful.
okay. in any organization. Awesome. I'm sure that's gold to much of our audience. And certainly that's the really, uh, really important words to, for people to run around their head and consider before they start jumping into entrepreneurial operations. Uh, finally, uh, what can we see from the, uh, from a visionary, from a, uh, from a futurist, what could we expect to see? We've been through hell and, you know, a lot of people are still going through hell. Uh, this year and, and a long way to go yet for, for many, many companies and people in the organizations around the world in supply chain, tech or not tech, what can we expect to see as big disrupting factors over the next six to 12 months? What's your view on that? Wow. Nobody's asked me that strangely, but um, you can't know because we that's, an, in, that's an insightful question. We'll come back so, to you in six months and we'll find out. Yeah, you're... right. I, hopefully you won't hold me accountable for this. <laughs> I'll, I'd prefer to be more like a sportscaster or weather <laughs> meteorologist, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think might be on I the I think horizon? what we'll see is we'll see a dramatic overreaction to things like lean and we will swing the pen. This is typical in supply chain. We will swing the pendulum the other day, other way towards, um, towards this, this whole notion of stockpiles, of, of big, big piles of what-if inventory, I think we will, there, there's an appropriate type of product for that. There is appropriate level for that, but we're going to, I have no doubt that we are going to over-respond, over-react to that notion. Mm. Um, technology, technology, technology. And, and by technology, I mean, I believe that we will now recognize that technology needs to do things, not just show people things, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, uh, so much of technology is all these calculations to give you a report and reports are insufficient. And the, the generations that are, will be taking over supply chain over the next, next few years or decades, they require, and appropriately so, Technology to do what technology does, which is solve the problem better than humans can when it can. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see a lot of that. That has been slow coming, and I think that will be accelerated as well. There's so many more, but I'd yeah. make this show an hour well, and a half. I'm going to come back to you in about six or eight months, and we're going to review and just see where we got to, and we'll roll I'll, back. I'll take that <laughs> challenge, yeah. Yeah, no, good on you. Hey, uh, Greg White, investor. Director, advisor, adjutant, visionary discontent, uh, the list goes on. Uh, awesome to spend some time with you. I hardly feel worthy. Uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I love what you guys are doing in supply chain. Uh, our team here are huge followers, and I know, you know, hundreds of thousands of people uh, around the world, if not millions, are following you guys. So, all the best with uh, supply chain now, Tequila Sunrise, uh, all of your work, your incubator work in the industry. Really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm sure, I speak on behalf of the audience and our appreciation of of, uh, of spending time with us. So, um, thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you in the future. Well, thank you, Kim. What you're doing is really important because literally millions of people are coming into supply chain. They've discovered supply chain as a career, which makes what you do in helping guide and select and position those people all that much more important. So I really appreciate your contribution there as well. This is a very unique time for supply chain. So, and I appreciate, I appreciate you letting me share a little bit as well. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't have missed it for quids. So uh, really appreciate it to our audience. Thanks for spending your valuable time with us. Uh, we really appreciate 
your, your commitment to uh, listening to us and by all means go to Logistics Executive TV for uh, some of our other app sessions. Uh, Greg, look forward to catching up with you real soon. Take care. Yeah, likewise. I hope I'm right. Cheers, man. Thanks.